welcome to episode three of the Call as Leicester podcast. I think with everything that's going on, there's been an awful lot of people who are missing their weekly or sometimes daily dose of sporting action. So I'm delighted that we got to catch up with Leicester Tigers' Greg Bateman to find out how he's been getting on with his training at home and also a little bit about his work outside of rugby. Hi, Greg. Welcome to the Call as Leicester podcast. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. You've been keeping yourself busy? Yeah, busy enough. Yeah, not uh, not too bad at the moment, but it's only been a week, so uh, so we'll see. A bit of a way to go yet. So, I mean, how have you been filling your time? So, how have you been getting on? Sort of no sport, no teammates around you. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, it is tough. Hey? You know, we're we're kind of um, primal beings, aren't we? And we're sort of all geared towards everything we do in a week is for a big high at the weekend. So, it's been a, a tough adjustment. Um, but you know, I've got got some stuff to be training in the in the uh, equipment to be training in the garage, so I can get a decent decent hit out on the sort of physical side. But uh, from a mental side, really, to be honest, I've been doing a lot of decorating and and sorting the house out this week. And as I kind of saw this lockdown coming, I wrote myself like a pretty thorough job list to get through. So I've just been making my way through the jobs on the house but trying to not do too many in one day so I'm leaving myself enough you know in case we're in lockdown for a while otherwise I'll be repainting walls I've just painted if you know what I mean so well that's the thing isn't it I think all the things that you've had excuses for before it's now like no we have to I actually have to do this now as a sports person you're so used to being out training have you had to give yourself a kind of a proper regime around it well we're quite lucky in the sense that um we we have programs from the club anyway to be keeping on top of stuff and you know they're they're fairly uh rigorous in checking in that we're doing everything we need to be doing uh but also you know i just know that from a sort of mental and physical perspective i need to keep on top of that stuff as well you know because that's the thing, I mean, obviously last year you were quite open about um, struggles with your own mental health. I mean, a situation like this, there's a lot of people, perhaps people that live on their own or people that are particularly anxious. What advice would you give to anybody that might be struggling in that way? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, my biggest thing for um, for this sort of period of time is a lot to do with being uh, having a good plan. Um you know, and I appreciate that's very, that's the most difficult thing at the moment is that everybody's kind of in limbo waiting for life to start again. So I think, you know, what I've been trying to do is, you know, when I, I have like uni work that I need to do. So I've been planning in the time to, um, to, to get that done. I've been planning in time to do my gym sessions and, or like on my LinkedIn, uh, I know we've been in touch about it, like my reading stuff that I've been doing, like the books I've been reading, um, been making content for clients um, and stuff. So, yeah, I think probably firstly is make a good plan so that you've got some structure to follow. And I think we, as much as we all kind of hate routine sometimes, I think routine actually kind of gives us a lot of, uh, a lot of peace because we know where we're supposed to be at any given time but then also I think it's about accepting uh, that this is a very unique situation and you know that this isn't like normal times and it's okay to to not be as productive or to do things that you know perhaps you normally wouldn't do or whatever just to um, just to kind of make yourself more 
available to yourself or, or those in your house, if that makes sense. I think that's it, isn't it? A lot of people have said, you know, it's people feel like they're having to keep busy all the time, but actually it is okay to just take a bit of time to have that time to relax that you probably didn't have before. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, for me, I've actually uh, viewed it more as, well, I've, you know, this is going to make me sound like I'm taking this really well, and I'm absolutely not. But uh, I've been trying to view it more as an opportunity. You know, I, you know, I'm pretty big into my sort of life after sports stuff, um, my uni stuff and business stuff. So I've been taking the opportunity to kind of reassess some of the values and stuff that I'm kind of ticking along with and what I'm doing stuff for a bit of purpose and some soul searching and and it's a good time to do that because you've got the space and the time to do it you know we don't we don't know as a country how long we're going to be in this situation for so we need to make the most out of it absolutely I mean you mentioned there about you know your your work outside of rugby um we spoke briefly before saying about the consultancy work that you're going to be doing and that is your plan obviously it must be hard being in a profession that you know it's a relatively short career you know how early do you have to put those plans in place of what you're you're planning to do after after your sports career uh well well, personally I think you need to put those plans in place as you start your professional career um but you know I my my dissertation will be all about that um so I don't want to spoil anything and I haven't haven't written anything towards that yet um so i think you know it's definitely better to have those things ticking along on side playing because you know look at this situation now where if rugby is the only thing you have in your life that's gone right now other than training at home which is limited with the equipment and you're training by yourself as well um you know, that's a very challenging thing for, for guys to have to adapt to when we're used to being with social creatures, we're used to being with 30 of your best mates and training all the time. So it's tough. Whereas, you know, having the other things to pour your energies into, it means that you've got those other avenues to, to pursue. So it's been a really good week of, of uni work. It's been a really good week. Well, not particularly for business because the the cafe and the brewing has has kind of had to take a a pause. But it's been good to kind of reassess, you know, the values and relook at everything where you don't normally have that time in in normal life, if you know what I mean. So, if possible, it's an opportunity. And do you think that your plans have changed at all, sort of in the time that you've been playing? Have you had different career plans for for when you finish? Yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, Obviously, I had Thriving Spaces, the service accommodation business, and you know, whilst that was very successful um, as a result, uh, due to resources and emotional energy, just uh, of the divorce, needed to to kind of let that go. Um, and I always kind of thought I would just kind of focus on property when I finished. But actually, I think as time's gone on and um, sort of saying goodbye to that has been really good to sort of assess what I think are my natural my natural kind of things that I'm either better at or enjoy most which is people and I think I'm uh, you know much better at being in a group of people you know, on the insight personality testing I'm a yellow uh, you know influence and be influenced like if you go into a a sports game I'm in or if you go into a museum I'm in or a gallery like I'm in you know um I, I like being around people and I like doing things so I think that's probably why I've 
over the last couple of years shifted more towards the consultancy work with my um with my sort of experiences I've had and and kind of trying to translate them but also just kind of to to keep that contact with people and what form will that um consultancy work take sort of what kind of people are you working with yeah so generally it's smes um the the lady who i'm going on board with shortly and this hasn't been announced yet so i won't i won't share company details yet but you know she was the ex-head marketing director of three of the biggest companies you've ever heard of and she runs her own consultancy and, and we've been sort of friends for a number of years and i think she was keen to have someone with a different eye on her team and i was keen to learn you know from massive global companies i've never really seen myself as a a consultant that has sports answers to business problems and i think there's lots of clumsy analogies that get made with you know what business can learn from sport and i do think there's an awful lot of things that that business can learn from sport and and i tend to share those but i think it's a lot more about coming alongside these businesses and as a business owner myself you know, I, I'm in it with them. I'm kind of going through all these things that, that they're experiencing as well. So it's it's kind of coming alongside as opposed to kind of reaching down off my uh, pedestal of of sporting knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being able to bring that personal experience into it, like you say, with business as well as the sports, that's going to make a, make a big difference, I would have thought. Oh, well, I hope so. And, you know, so far the, the kind of clients that we've um, – we've been in touch with or that I've kind of had some dealing with so far I've really appreciated it because you know I, I know as a sports person as well that you know I find it very irritating when we have say this is an example so I'm in no way irritated with the military but you know sometimes you'll have military people come in and talk to us about how they how they do things or whatever and you know it's life and death and you know we stick to the plan and this is the plan it's well, you know, rugby at the end of the day isn't life and death. It's a, it's a sport. We we run into each other for a living, and it's it's totally not. So it can often be a bit of a clumsy analogy. I think that that often falls on deaf ears because people are kind of keen to stay away from it. What we're going to do is we're going to actually come back and chat a bit more about rugby in a minute. So every episode on the podcast, as you know now, we feature a track from a different local artist. This week, we've got the brilliant new single from the hotly tipped Mouth Culture. So this is Say It In Reverse, and this is coming out on the 17th of April. I don't know what you're saying when you're slurring all your words, it's draining. When you speak, you say it in reverse. Cause you know that you've been breaking every promise you've been making, and you're trying to get yourself to figure out. How'd you get in this position? Always told but never listen. You don't know how to talk, you just shout. I can tell you on the liquor.
single from Mouth Culture called Say It In Reverse. The track's out on the 17th of April and if you enjoyed that you can hear more from the band over on Spotify or find them on Facebook at The Mouth Culture. So now then Greg, seeing as we're all at home, let's chat a bit about beer. So last year you actually brewed your own beer, People's Captain. How did that come about? Um, So I had a new player sponsor which was uh, Steaming Billy which was which was great, and you know we, we sort of chatted about doing a beer because they, you know, as a kind of celebration of a, a new player and stuff. But they don't brew themselves, so they passed me to um, the lovely Andrew and Andrea at Charmwood Brewery, who brewed my first beer, the American Pale Ale. And you know I, I just loved the process. I'm a, I'm a, a bit of a process guy, you know, like um, I suppose sport kind of makes you that way i guess and um i I loved the the whole kind of creation side of it and also it's probably the first time i was exposed to retail so we're just interested in the kind of retail side of it as well from a business point of view and also you know all things aside i absolutely love my beer so it was kind of a um a good match and then uh charmwood um obviously i wanted to sell it at the ground at uh, welford road but everard's had exclusive rights over selling beer at the ground so i went to them and kind of said look you know this beer is is doing really well but i want to sell it at the ground so they were like yeah absolutely we'd love to do something with one of our players uh and we made a few we made the american uh, american pale ale again we made the uh, milk stout which was short and stout um but they're obviously going through a process of building their new brewery out and you know they operate a bit of a different business model where they're a old school brewery where they own a lot of pubs have licensees 
and you know the way I wanted to go was a bit different to the way they wanted to go and you know I made no bones about it that I wanted to be able to retail my beer so it, much in the same way that Andrew and Andrea passed me to Everard's Everard's um, are everybody in the brewing industry kind of knows one another so a good friend of the ops director is uh, Ken Monroe at Milestone and he's a season ticket holder at Welford Road and um, Milestone Brewery has been around for a number of years and um, award-winning in some areas and he was he kind of jumped at the chance to be able to do something together and kind of shared my vision of what I wanted people's captain to be um, moving forward so yeah went with them did a, a small kind of batch of stuff to sell out before Christmas, which which flew out, and we we got some really good um, feedback for that. But you know, it all kind of comes back to the fact that you don't really make anything out of beer until you kind of start retailing it. So we've got some cool plans for what we might like to do at Welford Road if we if we can get something past Everard's, um, you know, in a kind of partnership way. Um, but also, it's about providing our customers with real quality craft brewed beer um, that, that they can enjoy. But equally, lots of our customers are people who don't visit rugby games and, and just want quality beer in the East Midlands. Well, I mean, craft beer as well, it's become such a huge market, hasn't it? I mean, what are some of your, what are some of your other favourites? I like anything by Beaver Town at the moment. Okay. I think their stuff's great tiny rebel also makes some some awesome beers um and you know a couple of the beer tasting courses i've been on i found some amazing ones i in fact went to oslo on my own in in march because i'm a bit bit obsessed with vikings so i decided to go and uh, find a viking museum and stuff and uh, went and found this this guy who does beer tasting and, and whatever and he was he was this like world-renowned beer sommelier i had no idea who he was frankly but uh just kind of sitting and getting a real sense of how fascinating it is and you know food pairings with beers and taking beer like i personally don't really like dark beers bitter beers generally isn't something that i particularly like but then he he paired some of these unreal chocolate truffles with which is if anybody needs to know how to get to my heart a, a chocolate truffle will certainly get you very close um and he paired these really dark chocolate truffles with it and i was really enjoying this beer all of a sudden so this whole kind of craft beer and food tasting is going to be a real huge huge step for the the industry i think it's interesting isn't it? because i think for so many years people have done it with wine but like you say it is such a such a big thing now so popular amongst people hopefully we'll see a lot more of that i think so um i mean i don't want to make a clumsy factual statement that turns out to be incorrect but there's something like 20 times more aromas and taste profiles in beer than there is in wine oh wow okay as an experience there's an awful lot more to beer and food tasting than there is to wine tasting and equally I love my wine as well so you know it's I just think that what people generally are after and uh, you know haven't haven't done some of this research for my uni course is that people are drinking a lot less but they're spending more per pint when they're out because they want experience they want quality and they want to try something a bit different 
So that's what we've sort of tried to do. And ultimately, you, you do have to pay a little bit more for the quality hops and the, the, the quality malt that goes into making really, really good beer. Um, and, you know, that's just shared out amongst amongst all of us. So, you know, I think for the sake of another 20p a pint, people would rather pay that to get the pint that they actually want, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as a as a sports person, what like what are the rules as a, as a rugby player around drinking? Like, how much beer can you have? If it, like, if you're playing a game at the weekend, I'm assuming you have to be pretty careful with it. Um, win or lose, we're on the booze. Is my is my right. take. No, no, you know, obviously the game is very professional now, um, and you know it's certainly not advised. But it, beer and rugby kind of go hand in hand. It's it's one of those things that you know one of the first places that most young lads that are involved in rugby will try their first beer will be at the rugby club with their old man and their mates. So you know it's been a it's been a huge part of my life and. Um, you know, when I've had the, the the good times and the bad, I've wanted to, to share them with somebody over a beer or a wine. So I think it's really important for, like, team sports to be able to go and have a drink together or, you know, and it doesn't have to be a beer or, or indeed a wine. It can just be, you know, a soda or whatever. But I think there's something about British culture and also about rugby players and, and England that that, uh, that really enjoy having a beer together, you know? And with People's Captain, can people still get that online? Uh, yes, they can. Uh, no, they can't. I do apologise. The um, I think all the Christmas stuff is sold out now, although there may be a few bottles left on the, the Milestone website, sort of the sort of three packs of bottles. Um and I think they're dirt cheap at the moment, like five or ten quid or something like that for for three bottles. Um, but part of part of this time, you know, you were asking me before about what I've been doing with my time, is a lot of um, last week is uh, around uni work and the endless amount of decorating that I was doing. But was having a good look at uh, that Christmas launch and and seeing some of the stuff that that I could have done better, and I think. One of the things was improving the website, so I've been doing that this week and and making that a lot more easier to use and uh, a bit more information on there and and easier for people to navigate. And also just kind of having more kind of regular updates about what we're up to and stuff. So we did this really cool hop, um, hop merchant tour, Feb, March time maybe. Um, No, it might have been a bit later actually. Uh, where we just went around the biggest hop merchant in the country and, and, and tried all these different amazing hops for the new beer that will be coming out. It was, it was actually supposed to come out in uh, the beginning of April, but it's had to be postponed, which is going to be a, a Nieper, a New England Pale Ale. And we're going to call it the Islander. It's going to be really tropical, um, doing kind of homage to our brothers from the Pacific Islands, so Manu and... And the boys have been really helpful with kind of getting some of those flavours from where they're from out. That sounds amazing. Um, but as a, you know, I said before, I'm a real process guy. Like it's genuinely fascinating to go through, smell and taste and feel 30 different hops. And you can smell pineapple in one and the one next to it might have been grown in the same country, but will taste 
will smell like passion fruits, for example. So you, you you know you kind of try and get this blend that that makes the perfect brew. So it's fascinating. So we want to try and bring some of that content through as we're as we're launching the next one. So a lot of that stuff got recorded as well. Um, we're also going to be doing a visit to the the malt distributor and kind of kind of letting people know the background that goes into making a, a decent brew, which is which is tough to be honest with you. Well, tough for me, but you know, for expert brewers it's not. But it's uh it's a lot more thought through than just chucking some hops in a in a barrel and hoping for the best. You know what I mean? And where's the best place for people to find out? Obviously if you've got new beers coming up and new things happening, um are they best to follow you on Twitter and Instagram to find out about about the new releases? Yeah, I'd say so. So I'm at Greg Bateman on Instagram and I'm underscore Bateman underscore G on, on Twitter. And People's Captain has got its own um, Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page. But, you know, the, the information that I could release before Christmas was so limited because, you know, I rang Ken two weeks before it needed to be brewed. So the poor bloke literally moved heaven and earth to be able to make it happen. And, you know, I'm forever grateful that he did uh, but this time you know we've had loads more time to kind of take our time plan it so that we can do it properly brilliant and what we'll do is i'll check the um i'll check the website and if there are any any of those um left in stock we'll put that in the show notes so just have a look in there for the link if there are any left to buy so just returning a little bit to rugby before we go obviously you've got a new coach coming in in steve borthwick and so if and when the season can continue what effect do you think that those changes as well as the break is going to have for the Tigers? Uh, well, I think it's uh, the first instance is going to be very positive. You know, he's a world-class coach and, you know, the, the, the lads that have worked with him under him and, and Eddie Jones in the England regime uh, speak very highly of him and his standards are incredibly high. And he, from my understanding, you know, is keen to drive them until until they're reached. So, you know, we're... we're, we're very excited to have someone of that caliber on board uh, and you know for us we, we just need winners in the room we need people with that level of world-class experience in the room um, and I think it's been a very very difficult couple of years for us at Leicester Tigers for, for a number of reasons you, you know it's obvious to point at the kind of big ones like the changes in coaches and, and backroom staff and all the rest of it but you know that's that's been fairly traumatic for for a group of lads trying to get to grips with with what we're trying to do so I think um you know he's going to provide that world-class sort of coaching expertise but alongside that stability that we've probably been craving for for a while now at Tigers so you know he's he's here for a good number of years and we'll we'll look to kind of get behind whatever his plan is and I mean, are you quite a tight knit group of players at Tigers? I mean, I saw that you've set up the social distancing podcast to kind of keep in touch with each other and and see what you're up to whilst you're all at home. Does that kind of you know like team spirit and and keeping in touch with each other really help? Yeah, it does. And um, you know, obviously, most most of our conversations aren't recorded on a on a Tigers podcast <laughs> to go out to the world, but it is really important. As I said, it, this is very very difficult. You know, I'm lucky of. I've got the dogs and the the other halves at home, and I've got lots of things to do. But for some lads, rugby's all they've got, so it's it's particularly difficult at the moment to to kind of navigate through that sometimes. So we we are a tight knit group, and you know you you do this thing 
every week together that's like pretty special running out in front of uh, Welford Road and you know to not have that high at the end of the week is 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 tough and to not be sort of training for any purpose at the moment because we don't know when the season is going to start is uh, is is tough so just try to keep in touch with as many boys as we can and make sure everybody's all right and where can people hear that podcast uh, i believe it's now on on the apple podcast and soundcloud but if you check out lesser tigers any of their socials then it will there'll be a link to it on there perfect and just one last question before we go which we've been asking all of our guests and um, when all of this is over what is the first thing that you're going to go and do probably go to the pub yeah <laughs> i think there'll be a few people saying that <laughs> yeah um, that's my initial reaction was go to the pub all right well i'll try and make sure that people's captain's ready to go then for when we're allowed to to leave our homes mm-hmm.